just really, really, it's been such a blessing for me. And I know for many of you that as we've come through, I'd say round one of COVID, um, it just seems like this thing is lingering. But uh, this series, Joy-Filled Living, really was birthed out of um, necessity, uh, the necessity in so many people's lives who were struggling with the unknown. And so we began to dig into this as a church, and, and uh, there's been much freedom, uh, much liberty, enjoyed, uh, a lot more joy. Uh, you know, the, I love hearing that from you, that as you're taking these things to heart and you're inviting the Lord to do a fresh work in your life, that you're worrying less and you're experiencing a lot more joy. And that's really what uh, it was all about. That was my hope for, for all of us. Uh, the text this morning is two verses in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I titled this morning's message, Behold the Birds. Okay, and we'll, we'll get into that. Behold the Birds. And I want you to be thoughtful about that today. We'll read this together and then take a moment and pray. In verses 6 and 7 there, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, it says this. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And let's take a moment and pray. Father, as we open up this service uh, Lord, in the Word, we've already opened up our hearts and our minds to you in worship. And what a wonderful morning of worship, singing your praise. I, I love our worship team. I love their heart for you. I love the way that that love comes through and how they sing, Lord, just in looking at the joy upon their faces, their countenance. Uh, Lord, to understand hearts that are filled with thanksgiving. Uh, we, we thank you so much that as we worship you, the, the cares of this world, uh, they, they just seem to, like scales, just fall away. And so, Lord, we know your word is truth. We know that it's powerful. We know that it's living. And we pray that, Lord, it would really penetrate the deepest places of our hearts, of our minds, and that, Lord, you would transform us this very day. Lord, if we're here today and we have yet to receive you as as Savior and Lord, may this be the day. We don't know the hour which we'll meet you face to face. And uh, Lord, I pray for every heart here that we're ready today, that Lord, we would be uh, excited at your coming, that we wouldn't be living with worry or fear or anxiety, that I need to, I need to take care of this first. Uh, Lord, uh, may we understand that, Lord, when we come to you, that Lord, you take care of everything for us and we can rest in you. And for those that maybe are stressed out today, that are just worried about things in this life, may this message, uh, Lord, speak to them. May it transform their minds. Lord, may we, each and every one of us, be conformed more into your image. Uh, that, that's always our hope and our prayers, to be made more like you. Help us to not just go through the motions of, of being in a church service, but Lord, we've come to truly to worship you, to bow our hearts before you, Lord, and recognize that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, if we spent a million lifetimes, we would still only scratch the surface of all that you are. You are so awesome in all your ways. Lord, reveal yourself to us this morning, we pray, for your glory and for our good, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we go any further, last Sunday, your friend and mine, Tom Bergeron, he got out of church. He didn't say anything to me about it. I had to find this out after first service that it was Tom's birthday. I don't know if that was deliberate. I don't know if that was by accident. But I said, hey, there's another Sunday. If Jesus doesn't come, guess what we're going to do next Sunday? 
And he's here, so he really wasn't, you know, that worried that I was going to be leading the congregation and singing happy birthday to him. Can't ruin his birthday because it was last week, okay? But he's here today. This is Tom. If you don't know Tom, stand up real quick. I know most everybody knows you, but some probably don't. <clears throat> this is Tom. We want to sing him happy birthday. So would you join me on three? One, two, and three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tommy. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Did you get any uh, did you get any golf stuff for your birthday? That's kind of you did. Man, how much are golf balls these days? Just to <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, I hope your birthday was wonderful. We love you, and uh, we appreciate you very much. Uh, in the book of Philippians here, you know, we read this. You know, are you, are you aware, like I am, that the number one, think about this, the number one threat to my joy and to your joy is fear. It's anxiety. It's worry. All, all these things that we deal with. And here, Paul, in, in the book of Philippians, like I said, he keeps bringing up this topic of, of joy, this deep lasting, satisfying joy. And he talks about in chapter four, what stands in the way, a lot of what stands in the way of our experiencing this lasting joy, the joy that all of us want. And, and again, I love how he brings it up and how he deals with it really in two short verses here. They're, they're, it's two simple verses. They're not simplistic. There's a difference between simple and simplistic here. But I want you to think about this. You know, if you don't get anything else out of this today, if you're a note taker, you might write this down with regard to worry, the things that stand in the way of your joy. It's this. Worry is a signal alerting you to pray. I want you to think about that. Worry is a signal. It's nothing more than a signal that is alerting you to pray. You know, when you think about in the United States, I mean, we talk about our country, you know, and that our country is, we talk about how great America is, and it is. It's the greatest, I think, you know, country in the free world on this earth. But I, when you think about worry and anxiety, do you also understand that America, on a global, think about this, taking every continent on this planet, that we rank number one in stress and worry and anxiety. The, the richest the nation in the world, the nation that experiences the most freedom, the most liberty, and yet we as a country have more anxiety per person than any other continent on this planet. And you think of some third world countries, you know, think of, you know, uh, places in the Middle East and, you know, where there's just, you know, think of what's going on in Afghanistan. You wake up, you know, some parts of Israel, you know, every day, and there's missiles being lobbed into your backyard, and you go, and we have it so good here. And you go, so why is it, when you look at these statistics, and these are the most recent ones, 30.7% of men suffer from anxiety, 45.2 women. Our closest rival for the silver medal is China. And think about this. We're at 30.7 for males. China is 15.9, half. And for women, it's 28.6 to our 45.2. And so when you think about that, it's worthy of a lot of discussion. It's worthy of a lot of study because it impacts our lives. That's why so many people throughout this study, we, we talk about 
you know, having this lasting joy, you know, and, and we, we want it, we seek after it, and yet it can seem so elusive to us. You know, but there's a difference. And again, if you're a note taker, you might write this down and think about these things. There's perceived worry uh, from real worry. And most of us, like I said, we tend to worry about things that never come to pass. There's been all kinds of studies done, studies that will tell you that 85% of the things that we, you know, worry about never come to pass. So that means only 15% of the things that we worry about in this life ever come to pass. And so most of the things don't. And you think about the amount of time, uh, again, that we spend worrying about those things. I mean, when you think about perceived versus real fear, studies will estimate that 20% of all drivers don't wear a seatbelt. But we know that, you know, to get in an accident, most likely is going to either be death or it's going to be a major injury. 75% of all drivers text while they're driving. And we know, again, how fatal that can be in, in the lives of people. We think about uh, a habit like cigarette smoking. I mean, literally, you're, you pick up the carton, right, or the package, and it's telling you right on there the Surgeon General's warning, right, and that, that this has a really good chance. It's a carcinogenic. It has an opportunity to kill you. And you think about how many people around the world. And you think about, you know, uh, and this is an amazing statistic, Marlboro, you know, they, their, their sales in the United States only represent like 5% of their entire sales worldwide. So there's more countries outside the United States. And you think about, but the same warnings are there and people still continue. Real versus perceived. And so the things, like I said, that, you know, we worry about if it's 85%, think about this, if 85% of what we worry about never comes to pass, there's an interesting statistic that was done from that. Out of the 15% of the things that did, 79% of the people said that they actually not only got through it, but they learned a tremendously valuable life lesson from it. So it wasn't in vain. Have you ever, have you ever gone through something that you thought maybe you couldn't go through and then you came out on the other side and you actually could thank God for it and go, wow, I learned something about myself or I learned something about God. And so it's so, so true. And so here's Paul addressing this topic of joy. And uh, again, for the most part, if you're a note taker, you might write this down. Joy is a choice, okay? It's not, it's not an outcome. It's a choice that we make. And, and again, and I love this, and you read this chapter in context here. Remember in verse four, he would write this. He'd say, rejoice in the Lord always. How do we end the service? And again, what? I say rejoice. And then what'd you do? Yeah, it's Mike Cosper. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What? Yeah. He goes, how many did that this week? You, 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 did anybody share that with anybody else? So you told somebody to try to bring them a little bit of pleasure in their life? I hope that you do. I, I hope that I can give you an assignment that you can carry it out, that it doesn't, it doesn't go in one ear and out the other, that we're not just hearers of the word, but that we're doers of the word. Because obviously all of us deal with stress. All of us deal with worry. All of us deal with anxiety. How do you do it? Some of you, you drink. That's how you do it. You, you, I mean, by admission, you just go, you know, what I do is I just have a few, and that seems to settle me. And, and I'm not saying, you know, there's nothing in Scripture that forbades drinking. Drunkenness is forbidden by Scripture, but not drinking of alcohol, okay? But relying on it in place of God is definitely sinful. So when you look to it instead of God, it's not, you know, 
that it's drinking is an issue, it's idolatry is, becomes the issue. Idolatry is just as prevalent in the world today as it ever was in the Old Testament. And so, again, these things are important, especially when we think about experiencing the joy of the Lord. Now, remember this, when he says rejoice in the Lord always, this isn't a suggestion, it's a commandment. It's a command that he's, he's giving us, you know, in the name of Jesus, is rejoice in the Lord always. Now, again, how's he telling us to do it? In every situation that you face. Is everything good? And you go, no, but we can give God praise and we can rejoice in every situation. Not for every situation, but in every situation. But the simple fact is what? That God is there. You never go through anything in this life alone. God is there. The psalmist declared it. You can make your bed in heaven. He's there. You make your bed in the grave. Guess what? He's there. There's no place that you can escape God. He is omnipresent. And we love that. That, that should do what? It should bring me peace. It should bring you peace. You know, that's why we study the word of God, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not to be conformed into the world's image. I expect the world to be worried. I expect the world to be anxious about everything. And you go, why? Because without Jesus, you have no hope. There is no hope apart from God. And so, uh, again, just a, a great reminder, you know, to us. You know, we find that word anxious, you know, in the New Testament there, some 19 times in 17 different verses. In, in the Greek language there in, in Philippians 4, 6, it's the word maranaho. And uh, again, you think about this, it, it's translated into, into three English words, worry, anxious, and care. Think about that, worry, anxious, and care. And, and this is the interesting thing to me, you know, because you can say, well, you know, I see, and I hear people say this, they go, well, I really only focus on the red letters of the Bible. I don't really worry about, you know, everything else. And you go, okay, so let's go to the red letters. Did Jesus say anything with regard to anxiety and worry and worship? And you go, absolutely. Matthew chapter six, verse 25, you might flip there because uh, we'll come back to it in a moment. But think about this. Jesus said, do not worry about your life, okay? And, and again, that's the word that he chose. It's the same word that Paul uses here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41, remember the story there when Jesus was dealing with Mary and Martha? Remember, and Jesus comes into the house, and Mary and Martha are in the kitchen. Jesus goes in the living room. He sits down. Mary goes and she sits at the feet of Jesus and Martha, her sister, is working in the kitchen and she begins to complain to Jesus that, you know, Martha is not helping me. I'm all alone. And Jesus says to Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried. There's that word, worried. Maranaho, worried about so many things. You're troubled about many things. It's the same word that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you remember, he's talking about married people and unmarried people, right? And he's telling you, uh, you know, it's better in Paul's admission. Here's a guy that he was a Pharisee. So for him to be a Pharisee, he had to be married. So here's a guy that's, that's been married, makes no mention of his wife. So he's single now. And he says, it'd be better for you to remain as I, as a single guy, you know, than to be married. And he goes, and the reason I say that he goes, because there's a natural concern, there's a worry that you'll have as a married person for your spouse. But if you aren't married, your worry will only be in the sense of, if that's a word, for the things of God. And so he's going, so I you know, don't want you to have a bunch of cares. That's the word that he uses there, the word care. Maranahu still comes from the same Greek word. So 
here's God going, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to be anxious. And again, where he's telling us over and over and over again. So it says there in verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, you know, again, you think about this, this word, you know, anxious for nothing, you know, in the Greek language, it's in the present active imperative. Okay. I mean, you think, what, what is he telling us? He's, he's writing this letter. Paul is from a, a Roman prison, right? He's, and he's encouraging the church. And what he's saying is he's going, stop, stop. I command you, I command you be anxious for nothing. He's telling this to the church. He's in prison. And, he, and you think of all the people that could be anxious about something. I mean, he he has before him, he knows if he's found guilty, he's going to die. He's going to be beheaded or he's going to be set free. Okay. So you'd think that probably could put a little trepidation, you know, in your heart. And Paul's going, I command you to not be anxious about anything. That's a guy I want to listen to because you go, man, because we can worry about all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, if you think about in America, in the United States of America, you know, in the greatest country in the free world, do you know what the number one fear is that people have? What would you say? What would you think the number one fear, not you, you're answering for other people this morning, okay? What would you think the number one fear is? What would you say? I think I heard Mark say it here in the front. What'd you say? Money. That's exactly what it is. And he did not read my notes. I just want you to know that. No, money. The, the most wealthiest country in the world, and we, we live every day as a country afraid that we don't have enough money. We don't have enough money for stuff. We don't have enough money. And then, you know what the second, and it's still with money, you know what the second aspect of that is with money? What would you think? It has to do with money. But what, what would you say? Bills? Yeah, that's a good one. Losing the money. And, and that really, you know, as Nelson just said, that really is what it's about. It's retirement. People are going, you know, because you think about this, they really the only country in the world, yeah, I got to get enough so that I can retire, so I can do what I want to do. And you go, which is the antithesis of what it is to be a Christian. And you think, well, what is a Christian? I died. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, I live for him. You don't see anything. You go, that's a program that we started in America. And guess what? Since it's not God's program, you go, what does it do? Who has the highest stress level in the free world? Or in the, actually in the world? The United States of America. Worrying about stuff that God is telling us by command. Do not worry about that. Do not be anxious about that. And you go, and it's like, you go, ah. so Paul's saying, hey, just stop it. Just stop it. You know, and people, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. But you know what? I mean, that, it's just not realistic. You know, I mean, you think about it. And so what's he saying? Paul's going, stop worrying. And the way he's, he's saying in the Greek language, he's stop worrying about one thing, anything, anything. Don't, there's nothing, nothing to worry about. And there's three reasons that we can say, we're not called to worry. And if you're a note taker, if you don't write them down for yourself, memorize them at least so that you can, because every single person you know deals with worry and anxiety you know, and stress and all these things. And there's an answer in scripture. And it's a command is don't be anxious and don't worry, okay? 
But understand this. People go, well, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Mike, but you know what? What did Jesus say about the situation? And this is behold the birds. Behold the birds. How do you do it? Look what he says. Same word, worry, Jesus uses here in Matthew chapter 6. I'd share that you could stay, stay right there. Pick it up in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, do not worry about your life. Same exact word. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. That we see in Philippians 4, 6. Jesus himself uses right here in Matthew 6. Do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look in the, in the King James Version. How many have a King James Version? Raise your hand. You, you saw that then. You go, behold the birds. Behold the birds. Behold the birds of the air. They neither gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them, nor are you not more valuable than they which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit or a single minute to his stature? So what is Jesus saying? What is he not saying? What he's not saying is, you know, hey, be like the birds and just be lazy. Have you ever seen a lazy bird? You know, no. What do the birds do? They're up, you know, you ever heard the expression, the early bird, what? Catches the worm. But just know this too, because there's grace. The late bird misses the early worm or the late yeah the, the late bird doesn't get the early i don't know forget it the early bird catches the worm yeah forget it it was a fleeting moment there um but understand this he's not saying you know be lazy and and just you know go out there i mean the birds are working for the food. I live on a golf course and it's amazing. These, I mean, we have geese, we have ducks, we've got birds. They fly in and, you know, they're just walking there and, you know, they're, people are hitting golf balls. They're not worried about it at all. They're just walking around there. People, you know, they'll see, you know, golfers go by, guys like Tom, they're throwing peanuts out, you know, onto the, uh, onto the golf course. They throw bird seed. I mean, they throw all kinds of stuff out, you know, and you go, and, and you, I'll sit in my backyard, and I, I, I finally figured this out years ago. That's, understand this. Behold the birds. I deal with stress just like you do. One of my favorite things to do when I'm stressed is I'll sit and I'll watch the birds. And I do it because it's biblical. I do it because it makes my mind think about this passage right here. Because it was Jesus who said to do it. So, hey, stress is going to come. Anxiety is going to come to your life. Why do you think 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all of your cares upon him because he cares about you? Well, if you didn't get anxious, would you have anything to cast? So it's easy to say, well, I don't worry about anything. And you go, well, Scripture doesn't say that we won't have anything to worry about. What Scripture tells us is what do we do once we become anxious? And Jesus says, behold the birds. Look around. Look how God cares for them. He goes, you know, they, they have nests. He goes, they, they've got a, Jesus said to the Son of Man, he goes, the birds have their nests, the foxes have their dens. He said, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Think about that. He's going, he cares. But interesting in this, he, he doesn't say that he's their heavenly father. They're just birds. You know, they're birds. 
He says, your heavenly father. The birds don't have a relationship with God. You have a relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, and he cares about you way more than the birds. He, he, does he love the birds in the sense? Yes, he, they're creation. Yeah, he made them. But he doesn't have a relationship with He's not Dr. Doolittle, okay? He's not there. He's not talking to the birds, you know, as people you know, think. But he loves you. He loves you very much. And so when he says, you know, don't worry, he says, don't, don't have an anxious, you know, over-concern about your life. And, and, and really what he's speaking of in the Greek language, if you, if you study those, the words that make up, you know, anxious, it, it's having a divided mind. Don't, don't allow your mind, don't allow the worries. Worries are going to come to you. you. There's nothing you can do about that. We, we live on, on planet Earth. We live in a, a sin-stained world. Okay? We're a product of the fall. It's here. It's what you do with it. Okay? And you think about it. Some, Like I said, people, they turn to God. And that's what God desires that we do, is not to allow your mind to be divided. Because that's exactly what the enemy of your soul wants. James says a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. Yeah. When, what happens when pressure comes on? Now, it's interesting, so I'll digress for a second here. Go back and read verse 5 of chapter 4. Interesting verse. After he says, rejoice always, again I say rejoice, then he says, let, you know, let your what? Gentleness be made known to all. Have you ever had to apologize by show of hands? And I want everybody to participate. Every single person. I am tired of asking questions and having two or three hold out. It hurts my feelings. I think about it all day long. You know, no. But think about this. Think about this. How many have ever been stressed out and said something to someone that you regretted and you had to go back and apologize? Because you were stressed. It's just tied to stress, okay? I'm not saying just daily. I'm just saying you were stressed you were stressed out. It was stress-induced. And they understood it. It was stress-induced. You got stressed. You were, how many have ever been joyful and just been full of joy, and you're going around offending everybody? You go, doesn't that? <laughs> Wiley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a gift, okay? I mean, you know, some people have it. But no, seriously, you go, no, it's stress. When, when we're stressed, we're not gentle. Because what? We're stressed, right? You, you, you panic, right? It's like, this is happening. And then you look at the things that go on when, when somebody's stressed out. But when they're experiencing joy, I mean, it's like this. I mean, the house could be burning down, right? And you're filled with joy. And you, ha, ha, let it burn. It's insured. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're going, wow. I mean, you go, like, reminds me of Thomas Edison when his, his, his factory burnt down. You know, and his kids came to his... his, his Thomas Edison's wife told his children, go find your father, because she thought that he was going to lose his mind, because all of his inventions had, were burned up. And she, they found him sitting on a, a, a grassy knoll outside his factory, watching the factory burn, and he had this kid, like, look on his face, like, and they came to him, daddy, daddy, they said, you know, are you okay? And his wife came, and she said, Thomas, we were so worried about you, and she says, he says, look, he says, all my failures have burned up, and tomorrow we can start over more intelligently. I mean, that's somebody who's like, oh, man, that's, you know, you ever heard the expression, don't sweat the small stuff and just remember what? It's all small stuff. Yeah. And this is what Paul's saying. You know, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, you're not. So you, those, are, those are demarcations of your life. If you're so high strung and just going, and you go, why? Why? 
Because guess what? 85% of what you're worrying about, you can't do anything about, and it's not even going to come to pass. And the 15% that does, 79% are going, it actually turned out for good. I learned a tremendously valuable life lesson from it. And like I said, so I look at the birds. Jesus says, behold the birds. And he gives us three reasons, Jesus does, why we shouldn't worry. Number one, it isn't healthy. Do you, do you get that? Worrying doesn't add a single minute to your life. But guess what? Has worry been tied to heart disease? Has it been tied to respiratory failure? Yes. I mean, alcoholism, drug abuse, you name it. It, it can be associated to it. anything that's not healthy. You think about it. It's just not healthy. You think about, you know, examples from scripture, you know, Daniel chapter 6, remember King uh, Darius when he gave this decree and he became so stressed over the decree, it says he couldn't sleep and he couldn't eat. That's what happens. Stress, stress. It'll keep you up at night. King David in Psalm 6, what did David say? He said, I'm tired, I'm weary from all my groanings. He said, I make my bed a pool. He said, I swim in my bed, I'm drenched, I, my couch with tears. You ever done that before because you're so stressed out? What's that? That's called depression. Yeah, depression, worry, anxiety. Moses in Numbers chapter 11. You know, Israel kept complaining and Moses, you know, he's like, you know, this burden's too heavy. I mean, here's a guy, here's Moses. You know, children of Israel are complaining against God and complaining against Moses. So Moses goes to God and he just goes, I want to die. No, seriously, he's like, I just want to die. He's like, God, just kill me. Take me right now. And you go, that's somebody who's at the end of their rope. And you think about suicide in our country. You're not hearing much about it, you know, from the news, but it has skyrocketed, especially amongst our teen population, like three, 400%. And you go, why? Because all the stress that's associated with COVID, there's hope in Jesus. There's help in Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants us to know. The second thing is, it's incompatible to who we are. And I want you to think about this. It's incompatible. This is the reason Jesus you know, tells us is not to worry, because it's incompatible with the child of God. It's not fitting behavior for us to be anxious and to worry. Because what is it saying? When I'm anxious and I'm worried. Now, and I want you to understand something here. Some people, because of sin in the world, okay, it's like the, the, remember the man who was born blind and the disciples came and they said, Jesus, you know, uh, is he blind because of his sin or was it his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. He said it was that God could be glorified, okay? Some people have anxiety and depression because of a chemical imbalance in your body, okay? I mean, you, you are, unfortunately, that's part of your DNA, and there's nothing you can do about that. And that's where, thank God, we have doctors. Thank God we have you know, means of treating that. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the person who has a choice. Has a choice and chooses to be anxious. Because when you're anxious, what's, what are we really saying? I'm not trusting God. We don't want to admit that, but that's what you're doing. You know, we're, we're living by, you know, sight and not by faith. What we're saying is, you know, one in the hands worth two in the bush. Cause I mean, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So, I mean, you know, and we're so moved by what we see or the fear of the unknown. 
And again, why does Jesus say it's incompatible for us? Again, there in verse 26 of, of Matthew 6. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God takes care of them. And he's not even their heavenly Father. And if he'll take care of them, why would he not take care of me and you? So what? We don't worry because it's not healthy. It's incompatible. And then most of all, Worry is ineffective. I mean, if worry worked, I mean, it'd be hard to knock, right? You go, well, I know what the Bible says, but hey, it works. It doesn't. Worry doesn't work. Matthew 6, 27, it says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? What he's saying is, by worrying, has anyone ever added a minute to their life? No. By worrying, have people taken many, many, many minutes, months, and years off their life. Yes, it's ineffective. So why do we do it? Well, part of it is we go, well, everybody worries. So that's our cop out. When Jesus came to set us free, Jesus said, the truth you'll know, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. But you have to believe that. Like I said, the birds still go out in the morning and they still go looking for food. I watch them on my golf course. You know, I watch how they go around. Not my, I don't own a purse, so I just don't want you to misinterpret that. I live on a golf course. But I see them. Sometimes they land out in front of my house and then they're down the way. I could be driving, be on another hole and they're, they're there, you know, someplace else. They just move around. And guess what? And God takes care of them. I love it every time. I'll sit there and I'll watch and I'm on hole number two and, and they'll be, you know, People playing, men and women come by and they're throwing stuff out there. And the birds are, you know, scurrying over there and they get them. And I'll be sitting there and I'm going, and the Holy Spirit just quickens it to my own heart. He's like, Mike, you know, why are you such a bird brain? I hate when he talks to me like that, you know, no. But it's like, you know, why, why are you worrying about all these things? When I'm not even their father, I'm your father. And I take care of them. Because it really is an insult to God. I mean, you think about that. You know, if you're a father here, you're a mother and you love and you take care of your kids. Didn't Jesus say that? He said, you know, what father amongst you? You know, he says, you know, our love compared to God's love, he said, is evil. He said, you fathers being evil compared to your heavenly father. He said, you know, when your son asked for an egg, would you give him, you know, a scorpion? You know, would you give, uh, it's like, no, you're going you're gonna to give them what you can because you love them and you care for them. And he says, how much more does your heavenly father love you? And so why do we worry? Why do we worry? Because it's a choice, just like joy is a choice. Worry is a choice. But it's ineffective. Like I said, and I shared that with you, you know, most of the things that we worry about never come to pass. So what are we doing? We're wasting time. What does scripture tell us to do? Redeem the time for the days are evil. So you look at that, you know, in verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So what's the prescription then? So we know, you know, the problem is worry. What is the prescription? He lays it right out there. I love this. Two verses, and he, we get it. Like I said, it's, it's simple, but it's not simplistic, okay? You're going to have to apply it. You're going to have to study it. The first thing is prayer. You think about that. Prayer. What's the solution? 
Paul writes, for anxiety and for maintaining lasting joy in your life and in mine is prayer. Think about your prayer life today. I mean, really think about your prayer life today. And think about it in comparison to the anxiety that you have and the joy that you have. You go, you know, is it balancing itself out there? Because the Bible is inviting us and the command of, is to not be anxious, right? And to do what? Pray what? Without ceasing. Yeah, to be in a constant state of prayer. And you go, what does that mean to be in a constant state of prayer? Well, it's not religion. Religious prayer is simply monologue. It's just you going, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God, I need this. God, I need this. But prayer is dialogue. It's talking to God and letting your request be made known to God and then listening to God. Listening to him primarily through his word. What does his word say? What does he remind you? What are the promises that he's making to you? And listening to his voice and allowing that voice to speak to you. Prayer. He says in verse 7, be anxious, what, for nothing, but in everything, everything. What is everything? Everything. That's what it means. Everything. Write that down. Everything means everything. Wow, that was, that was, whew, that was deep. Everything. It says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Wow, there's a lot that you could unpack there, right? And that, what's interesting when you read that, is that word, but. Be anxious for nothing, but, but. Okay, what does he tell us? And you look, but, do this. You know, th this is a pivot word. You know, he said, be anxious for nothing, pivot, and do what? Do this, but. And again, what is the cure? Prayer. We're invited by God. That's what he's, in, he's doing. He's inviting us to come to him in prayer. Unfortunately, if we're honest, sometimes prayer is the last resort in our life. We try everything else. We'll call other people, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk to people about stuff. And then, you know, finally somebody, you know, with wisdom goes, man, have you, have you tried praying about it? Well, you know, I was going to do that, but, you know, I want to see what you said first. You know, well, I'm telling you what you need to do is pray because God has the answer. I don't. Yeah, but I can see you. I, I, I can't see him. You know. So no. Pray. Pray. And what happens? And the beauty of it is, when you and I begin to pray, because it happens every Sunday, it happens every Wednesday, it happens every time you come into this sanctuary and you truly set your heart on worship, your worry turns into worship. All of a sudden you go, man, I came in with, I, I've talked to many of you through the years, and you go, and I've come into the sanctuary and I was carrying this burden. I had this and I just decided, and that was it. It was a choice. You decided. It's like, you know, married couples, I listen to them talk and they'll come in for counseling. We'll talk about stuff. And they'll go, well, how long are you going to stay mad? Man, I'm going to stay mad until I don't want to be mad anymore. And you go, so there's nothing someone can do after they've said, you know what? Yes, I see what I did wrong. I confess it. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you go, well, eh, you know, I will when I, you know, you go, you're right. Cause it's a choice. It's a choice you get to make. You can be mad as long as you want to be mad. You can be sad as long as you want to be sad. You can be happy whenever you want to be happy. And you can be filled with joy when you decide to be filled with God's joy. It's a choice that we get to make. Again, first Peter five, seven, casting all of our cares upon him. 
Because why? Just because I don't want the stress? That might be reason enough, but that's not what his word says. What did Peter say? Casting all of your cares upon him because what? He cares for you. Isn't that good to know today that God cares about you? He cares about you more than you care about you. He really does. I mean, to think that he would come from heaven and die on a cross, that he would give his life so that you could spend eternity with him. He was very mindful of you, even when you and I are not mindful of him. And again, what is 1 Peter 5, 7 reminding us? Every, and think about this, because this is, this is what it's talking about. What do we need to bring to God in prayer? We need to bring to God in prayer everything that seeks to divide my mind. Because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Paul says, and he calls it, he said, the single-minded soldier. See, sometimes for people stress, people come all the time for counseling. They'll call, they go, hey, Pastor Mike, can I talk to you about this? They didn't come into the office. Most stuff anymore, COVID, it's phone conversations for the most part. And that's totally fine because it's simple stuff. They just go, you know, I'm really stressed. Over this. I've got this decision and this choice, this choice. And you go, what's the problem? A lot of choices, right? When you don't have a lot of choices, not a lot of stress. And that's what, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to plant these things in our mind, in our brain, that will do what? Divide us from what God is calling us to do. And so Paul is reminding us here, he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's he saying? Redirect. Redirect your worry and turn it into worship. That's what you do with everything. Anything that's coming into your mind to try to divide your mind, God is inviting you to bring that to him and redirect it and turn it into worship. People, ah, that just sounds so like, you know, I mean, how do I do that practically? You go, that's how you do it. It's, it's, it's simple, not simplistic, but simple, is that you go, what's coming into my mind that's distracting me from, from worshiping God? And worship is what? It's not, people go, well, am I supposed to drive down the road singing? That's not what I'm talking about. Worship is to bow our hearts in the truest sense before God, is to recognize his greatness, to recognize that what? God's in control. And you don't have to sweat the small stuff because God is sweating it. He knows the very number of the hairs upon your head. That's how much detail he knows. You don't have to worry about it because God has taken care of it. That's what he's working into our heart. That's why our minds have to continually be transformed because we're being bombarded continually from the outside in. And, and his words declaring, he wants to conform us into the image of his son. Did Jesus worry? No. And that's who he is fashioning you and I into the image of, his son. And what did the son do? He worshiped. Everything that he did was for the glory of God. If you ask yourself this this week, why were you created? Why are you here? Why are you alive today? And the answer is the same for every single one of us that's here. We were created for the pleasure of God. And so here's the, here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Ask myself this week. Is what you're doing right now in your life, your attitudes, your actions, your thoughts, your worries, you know, the anxieties, all those things that, that are going through your head. Just ask yourself this, and it'll free you up because it it's, becomes the one-dimensional aspect of our life. 
is just go, is what am I, I'm doing, is it bringing pleasure to God? If it brings pleasure to God, then do what? Run with it. But if it's not, then eliminate it. And how do you eliminate it? You bring it to God. And you offer it to him. You go, God, this thing is in my head and it is distracting me from bringing you pleasure. I know that. And so take it from me. Take it from me. And what does he do? He'll take it from you. So the question is, can you stop the cares of the world from coming your way? No. You know what you can do, though? I know, uh, do you guys know Joe Sozar? Joe does sound and stuff for us. Joe has a game that he likes to play. I, we used to have it when we were kids. It's called Hot Potato. You guys remember that game, Hot Potato? Yeah, and you do what? You, 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 could, you don't have to be rich to play this game. You just, you know, you get a potato, you put it in the oven, make it really, really hot, and you get it out, and you throw it to the kids, you know, and they do what? And they, they're, they're throwing it around. They throw it as fast, you know, it's just trying to get rid of this thing, and then, you know, and it's kind of like that with, with stress and worry and anxiety. When you're feeling those things, it's, you need to treat it like a game of hot potato, is get it out of your hands as quickly as possible. We, we try to hold, we hold on. Think about today. Think about things that you're holding on to. Think about things from your past that you're still holding on to today, trying to be strong, trying to show the world that you can hold a hot potato. You know, I've only got second degree burns on my hands right now, you know, but hey, I'm holding on to the potato. You go, it proves nothing. Well, it actually it does, but I don't want to go there. That's a whole nother sermon. First Timothy 2.8, Paul would write this. He says, I desire therefore that men pray where? everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. What that's saying is, you know, you don't have to wait for Sunday. God's peace is available on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. That's why Paul says there in verse 7, in everything, by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, prayer is often translated Worship or devotion. Worship or devotion. And it really means, like I said, to bow down. So what Paul is saying, instead of worrying, what you need to do is bow down. What you need to do is devote yourself to God. I want to close with this. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But it's really our prayer. The Lord's Prayer, I would say, you know, is John chapter 17. But this is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. See, they saw his effectiveness. And it wasn't that he raised the dead. It wasn't that he healed the sick. They saw those things. But they, they didn't come to him and say, hey, Jesus, we want to heal people like you healed people. We want to raise the dead like you raised the dead. Because they understood the source of his power. They understood the source of his strength that it came from his prayer life. It came from his communion with the Father. And so the disciples who were closest to Jesus came to him and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Do you, do you really want to be cured of your anxiety and your worry? You want to turn all those things into worship? Then you pray. That's what you do. You pray. And you pray more. You pray aloud. You pray silently. You pray with others. You have people pray for you. You pray with them. You stay in an attitude of prayer. Not on Sunday, 
not on Monday, not on Tuesday. It's 24-7. It's not hard. It's living in communion with the Father. Like Jesus said, he goes, I only do the things I see the Father doing. He goes, I only say the things that I hear the Father speaking. What he was talking about is just living in complete submission, communion with the Father. Do you have a faith or do you have a religion? Religion is, you know, you doing all the stuff. Christianity is God did it all for you. What he wants is a relationship. Everything that exists, exists for him. It was created by him and for him. That includes me and you. Worry, like I said, is a slap in the face to God. Because what it's saying is, I don't trust you. And I just say, if that's where you're at today, it just means that you don't know him as well as you need to. Because when you really know him, that worry will turn into worship. It won't stop it from coming, but you'll know what to do with it once it arrives. You'll cast all your cares upon him because he cares about you. And so I love this because, you know, it doesn't just say when you have a need, this is what people do. They run in and they go, okay, um, you know, God, I need this. And I pray for this. And I do this. And whoa, whoa, Jesus, he said, pray like this. Watch. He didn't say just run in and throw everything at the feet of God, right? It's oftentimes how we do it. He says, no, don't be like the hypocrites. In verse eight, he says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. It's important to know that before you pray the Lord's prayer. He knows what you have need of. He knows what you say that with me. He knows what you have need of before you ask. And we forget that. So Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray. And how does he begin it? He says, our father, recognizing who God is in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be. Wait a second. What does that have to do with my need? It's recognizing who God is. Does God need to be reminded who he is? No, I need to be reminded who God is. I worry and I suffer from anxiety because I don't recognize who he is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once I get done with that, now all of a sudden, hey, my heart's at ease. I recognize who God is and what he does. Give us this day. He didn't say year for the next 20 years of my life. He said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it's all interpersonal relationships. He says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And I love that. So in that, you know, with prayer and supplication, you know, the supplication is the, the feeling, the emotion. I, I can cry out to God. You know, it's not just, you know, being stoic. It's if, if you're hurting, you can hurt, you can cry, whatever, you know, thanksgiving is just being thankful. Don't be like the, you know, 10 lepers that Jesus healed and then walk away, you know, and only one comes back is recognized, you know, man, a thankful heart. God loves, loves a thankful heart. And then as he taught us there in the Lord's Prayer, then make your request known to God. And request is what? It's a humble request. It's not a demand. It's just humbly coming before God and going, God, you already know what I have need of. And I just want to lay these things out. And you know why we don't pray? Because we don't want to submit. We don't want to submit our thoughts to God. We don't want to submit our ways to God. I don't want to submit the answer to God. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission, right? 
But when you, when you understand the heart of God, if he doesn't want you to have something, is that really for your benefit? And you go, absolutely. By a show of hands, before we close in prayer, have you ever wanted something and you got it, and after you got it, you were completely dissatisfied? Yeah. Some of us, yeah. You go, it, it happens. That'll never happen with God. It'll never, ever happen with God. I love this. You know, I think about God being faithful in his promises. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 puts it like this. I'm going to close. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever. Yeah. Praying, seeking him. You worried today? The invitation is to pray. Bring all those things and leave them at the feet of Jesus. It's like taking a backpack off, isn't it? Leave it at the feet of Jesus. He can handle it there. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as the worship team comes. And as we close, I want to just close with the Lord's Prayer. Of all the things that we could do, behold the birds today. Behold the birds. God cares for them. But he loves you. And we need, if we want to be healed from our worry and from our anxiety and the stresses of our life, then we need to ask Jesus. Maybe you know how to pray, but your invitation today is, Lord, teach me to pray. Because I don't want to be anxious, and I don't want to be worried, and I don't want to stress. And I know that it's directly linked to my prayer life. And so let's, we'll pray this together, the Lord's Prayer. I'll invite you to pray it out loud with me. I think you guys have it up there on the screen. Are you able, are you able to pull that? Oh, there you go. We'll start there in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.